Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. And you know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. There he is. Come on in here, buddy. Have a seat. Hey, everybody. Glad you tuned in. It's time for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Mike Davis, Dale and Hart Jr. In the Bojangles studio. We've got a great guest today. Well, how, how you doing, Red? I'm doing fine right now. This They're is every like, week, okay, bro? <laughs> Buckle in. Yeah. <laughs> you died on that hill. Yeah. Your career died on that hill, and you were hard-headed. You're a bigger idiot. I didn't even think about it. No. You thought about it and didn't ask. That it. makes me the bigger idiot. I think so. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. It is our Wednesday show. In the Bojangle studio with me again today is my sister Kelly. How you doing, Kelly? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here today. Absolutely. Had a lot of fun yesterday. Some fun conversation. Today, uh, we got a great guest coming in here, a definite ally for episode 500. It's Johnny Morris, the owner of Bass Pro Shops. Um, Johnny has uh, obviously been a huge supporter with his Bass Pro Shops brand uh, in NASCAR. Um, working with dad initially uh, years ago he helps us here at junior motorsports has sponsored noah gragson josh barry i'm driving the bass pro shop car this weekend at homestead he also sponsors our late model stock program with carson quapple and also wyatt That's right. miller yeah so wyatt the thriller miller racing <laughs> the dirt tracks around the country so um anyways i'm excited to to talk to johnny i know you are too you have a great relationship with him already. I speak to him a lot from time to time. I think you know him just a little bit better than I do, but um, due to your, you know, having to talk to him about the business yeah, of motorsports. Yeah. But yeah, I'm super excited to hear from him. Um, just you know, he's had a he's certainly had a, um, a history in this career, a history with our family. Um, Business-wise, I've got to experience, you know, a lot of the different uh, things and places, and um, so yeah, it's I'm, I'm gonna be. Uh, Anxious to hear about just, you know, his vision, how it all come together. I, I mean, know. it's just so massive. You know? He's built this yeah. iconic brand, and it's always fun to talk to people yeah. about, like, how small it used to be, you know, yeah. where what, what are the origins yeah. of Bass Pro Shop. And I think people will be entertained to hear exactly how it did start. Yeah. And, you know, he just... Uh, you know, he just is a fun guy, really incredibly genuine, nice 
polite, soft-spoken man. Yeah. But he certainly knows what the hell he wants, right? Like behind all of that. And he gets done what he wants. Yeah. Behind all of that, he's very um, effective. Yeah, he's very driven. You know, in his in his in the way he operates. So, um, it's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk to him. Can't wait to get started. So let's bring him into the room. Get Johnny Morris on the Dale Junior Download. So Johnny Morris is on the Dale Jr. Download today. Johnny is the owner of Bass Pro Shops and a great friend of everybody. I mean, you're a friend of ours and a friend of everybody else in the industry. You've been involved in NASCAR in so many ways over the years. We'll cover that today. But thanks for coming. Thanks for giving us some time. I know you're busy. It's an honor. I've been so looking forward to this and just going through old scrapbooks of memories, pictures of your dad, <laughs> you and just and fun times, you know, yeah. and the impact – you, Dale, and your dad, Kelly, your family has had not only on our family, but helping us build our brand, yeah. Bass Pro Shops and the Outdoors and Conservation and just uh, fun, happy times. It's right. an inspiration for everybody in our company for many years. Well, let me ask you. So um, I want to understand how you ended up building this brand, but what was your childhood like? My childhood... Uh, I was kind of blessed because, very blessed, my mom and dad just like, you know, your family had passion for something, and we live in a country where we can be free to pursue our passions, and my mom and dad, uh, they grew up in a little town, Willard, Missouri. They were both born in 1911. They didn't have much. My mom was one of 10 kids that grew up in a two-bedroom house. My dad was raised by his great aunt, Uh, but to them, they were rich because they woke up every day, and they could hunting fish and they raised me and my sisters there's an area called there in Ozarks it's referred to as a float fishing cap of the world just beautiful streams and so I I grew up fishing I grew up loving to fish on the rivers and then when I was 10 they built Table Rock Lake and uh, I went to the open house with my grandpa he was pretty <laughs> upset because it flooded his best fishing holes I can't repeat what he said <laughs> but he was not happy but what we didn't understand it created habitat and then the fishing became great and so when I was like 21 i fished in the first national bass tournament and i met fishermen from all over the country and i just knew i wanted to be around the sport of fishing and try to be in the fishing business if i could yeah my dad had a liquor store on the way to the lake so i eventually i i went there was a gibson gibbs gibson get discount store there in springfield and they had a good selection of gear but i kept going in that manager i was a good customer he said john i can't get permission from the home office to carry all these lures like bill dance and rolling all these fishermen were using so then i talked my dad into put tackle in the store and we just called it bass pro shops so the first bass pro shop was a liquor store with tackle yep and where was it it was in springfield missouri on south camel and that that store was about the size of a lobby like in concord uh, it was 1500 square feet <clears throat> And that's our only store for the first 13 years we were in business. 13 years, that was the store. Yep. So as, when the first week, right, You what do you got? Just like a rack of, rack of lures that your dad gave you this little corner over here or what? Yeah, pretty much. So I had this buddy of mine, Steve Reed, was fishing buddy, and he worked at a convenience store. So I talked Steve into coming to work with me. My dad is interesting. He, d- he didn't loan me the money, but he co-signed my note at the bank because he wanted me to <laughs> know the obligation mm-hmm. the responsibility so we got ten thousand bucks and uh, i got a u-haul trader we went over to tulsa there's a little shop oaky bug and they wholesale out of the back door so <coughs> we filled that up and put a padlock on it went out on town honky talking we came back <laughs> the trailer is still there because somebody if that trader that would have been the end oh of the company gosh. before it started <laughs> yeah so that anyway, been a bad decision <laughs> yeah anyway everything worked out so we just, like I said, we called it Bass Pro because it was real descriptive. Of, we wanted to just be specialist in bass fishing gear. Okay. Okay. And so you brought all that stuff back to the liquor store. Yep. And how much room did you uh, initially have in the in the store? What was your footprint? We had two gondolas. That, I don't know. It was probably half the size of this room, if yeah. that. 
And I love this room, by the way, on the podcast. <laughs> it's a very friendly place here. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. So, yeah, oh, yeah. So, was it like day to day? You just in there selling fishing lures in the back day. of the store? Every yeah, because you're in your 20s, right? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, and every time we'd run tackle on sale or lures, and he'd sell some more beer, but we kept pushing this beer over and putting more bait in there. I was going to say, after 13 yeah. years, how yeah. much space did you have? Yeah. Well, we started a catalog a okay. couple of years later, and that's how our business really started to grow, was more catalog and still just had at one shop. Yeah. In the 70s, starting a catalog. When when what was the moment when the when the alcohol left the building it never did <laughs> really yeah yeah i mean we we moved down the street right and uh opened up we it was kind of ironic dale because that gibson's discount store many years later it came up for sale and yeah. so we bought that it was eighty thousand square feet so we had our moved our warehouse in there we had a store that was twenty thousand feet so yep. that and then we had a big window customers could see their orders being filled in the back and had our offices everything so that's where our headquarters or headquarters store where you've been you guys before so that's where it is today we yes. just added on to it over the years okay what's become of the original building it's still down there and uh we took part of it and created recreated a little <clears throat> replica museum of the original store yeah. and i every time there's some important meeting in their company. I love to go in there and just stand behind the counter. It stirs a lot of emotion, like where yeah. did we come from and how important it is to listen to customers, whether you want to or not, and for yeah. your people. So it's still there as part of our little museum. Yep. How do you, you know, you know bass fishing, you know lures. You're, you're um, I imagine in the first handful of years, you pretty you felt confident in and around all of those things, but eventually your store footprint grows you're bringing in other brands uh you're 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 offering other uh services and products uh hunting products and 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 just continuing to grow as a business right i mean how do you you know i guess how do you manage that uh and not make you know i guess you make mistakes but how do you manage it and succeed uh with uh without failing you know, because that that could have uh, that could, it could have went either way, right? Where there's some moments, yeah. I guess, when when things were touch and go. Lots of them, yeah. and uh, so I come here and I see you have your family here, right? It's mm-hmm. your personal family and your work family, and that's to say how important that is. And I sitting across from you, Kelly. I wish <laughs> I would have invited my sister Susie mm-hmm. because I had three have three sisters. Two of them were involved with the business okay. for a long time. And, like, <clears throat> my youngest sister, Susie, she's real sharp. Like, every time we'd get report cards for years, I'd always tell my parents, well, wait till she gets in the third grade. Wait till she gets in the fifth grade. Wait. Yeah. All the way up. <laughs> she's real smart. She uh-huh. came in one day, and we had all of her mailing list was on this old machine called the Dressograph, these little labels. And they're just falling out of boxes all over the floor. She's, Johnny, if you're going to be serious about this, these are your customers. You're just losing their name. You've got to get your inventory on a computer and your customer list on a computer. So I said, okay, you do it. You just, and so she came to work and helped us in some of her systems she put in place, still service and uh, my other sister. So a lot of family involvement and you can't beat it. Yeah. I mean, some days it's like this, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's the best. When you come down, where's the loyalty? It's like your family and you ask Dale about how's our company grow. It's like a work family and just, you know, just the blessing of having a lot of people with a shared passion, whether it's here at racing, us with the outdoors, that, that's, that's about everything. Yeah. What was it, what was, uh, the opening up the second location, a big intimidating, I mean, there's moments when, there's moments when you got to ba- basically reinvest, right? You take money you're making in your brand and your company and you have to turn around and, and if you're going to get somewhere, you got to put it all right back in, right? Um, and so imagine, you know, opening another store or growing your business. There were some moments where you had to reinvest big capital into your brand. Um, is Were those moments uh, intimidating at all? Oh, yes. But, I mean, there's it's like racing. Like, there's a time you got to go for yeah. it, you know. And so uh, our second store was in Atlanta. And I got a call from a realtor. And there was a, a concept grocery store called Fresh Festival. And it had gone out of business. And, man, I thought, man, it was a great location on I-85. And uh, 
but it was just a box. It was like, and our our main headquarters where you've been in Springfield, we had invested in a lot of attractions, you know, like waterfalls, aquariums, indoor archery ranges, things that take better care of the customers. We call that store Outdoor World. Well, we were going to Atlanta. We debated, okay, do we do like Sam Walton, just go to smaller markets, not so intense competition? Mm-hmm. But for Bass Pro at the time, we were catalog customers. Atlanta was like a hotbed of fishing in the southeast, you know, and it was we knew that as a hub, so we just figured, hey, let's go for it because if we win, we could win really big. Uh, we'll just see how we fare there. And uh, we didn't have the money to do to make that store like Springfield. I didn't want to disappoint customers, so we call that store Bass Pro Shop Sportsman's Warehouse. And we had murals and we had some mounts, but it wasn't quite the same. But as as our headquarters, but we had the gear, you know, yeah. and good people. And I I felt like the biggest challenge would be the people, you know, like because we'd been operating this store for like in our headquarters over twenty years. And we built a great team. So how do you have people behind the counter that are knowledgeable when it comes to fishing or hunting or anything to do with what around our business and taking care of customers? And really surprising that people, we attracted people because of their passion. That's the kind of people you want, you know, from managers all the way (laughs) up and down the troops. So that kind of, and we transferred some people that have been with us for a long time, but our ability to attract fellow sportsmen to come and serve other people that love the outdoors, that was surprising how how many good people we could get. The success of the Atlanta store gives you all this confidence to continue to go into new markets. Yes, sir. You know, most people, when they're setting out in the retail business, it's like the square footage and how much sales you can make out of the square footage, and they want to just turn and rotate everything. You built these Bass Pro Shops, and you say the Atlanta store didn't mimic the Springfield store. At what point, and and how did you decipher and know that it was going to work to build destinations for your shoppers that are outside of that retail dollar? You know, because when you go into Bass Pro Shop, you can have all kinds of fun without ever spending a dime well thank you thank you for being customers too uh so that's a very good question my sister Susie, i mentioned earlier we heard about this store in freeport maine ll bean Mm -hmm. so we take a field trip there and i couldn't believe it and it was mainly it was a big giant store and all these people they were getting several million people a year to come through this store and that's what really inspired me like if they can draw that many people to Freeport, Maine, we can draw a lot of our catalog customers to Springfield, Missouri, relatively yeah. small town. But we had our catalog sales were good, and we built up some uh, a good Customers, healthy balance yeah. sheet. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to go to the bank and just say, "What's the payback on this aquarium?" What's the pay? We just wanted a store to be a daydream store for our customers, you know, yeah. and just a fun place. And so in 1988, we had this event called the World Fishing Fair mm-hmm. and had all the pro anglers. And, like, you guys came to yeah. the mm-hmm. to a similar event. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, we had, like, 250,000 people come in three days. And they had they paid, actually, 10 bucks to get in the store. But we gave it all to conservation. But, anyway, uh, that, that put that store on the map for sure. And investing in the – the fun aspects of the store has been very popular. I think a uniqueness that mm-hmm. we have that our customers enjoy. And part of it's educational, you know, for kids and conservation messages and just a fun place. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So just recently I had uh, Hank Parker uh, Sr. on the show who is a professional bass fisherman, and you fished professionally as well for five years. Yes, sir. Um, obviously, starting that business takes a lot of your time. you got to commit. You had to you quit fishing professionally and, and you know, made the right decision, right? You're, you're, you're sitting here in front of us with a successful business in Bass Pro Shops. But how difficult was it to – I mean, there's a competitiveness that you probably missed – 
uh, fishing competitive, you know, competitively and, and trying to go out there and be the best bass fisherman you could be. Um, so what was your experience like and, and how easy or hard was it to really kind of like stop doing something that you really love to do? That's a very good question. Those are without question the happiest days of my life. Get my truck, pull my boat, drive around, see America, you know, driving around, fly over things now too much, but just <laughs> that was great. But also the competition and it's just like you're racing for automotive and, and making advancing equipment. It put me right in the forefront of all what was happening in Ray Scott that started these tournaments, the founder of BASS. He was a great promoter and marketing marketer and he was building heroes just like your dad, others, legends in racing, yeah. yourself, uh, heroes were emerging. And I would go to these tournaments. I'd take a little Kodak camera or something, and I'd get a picture of whoever won. And I'd go to the vendor and say, hey, let's have a special. So we put out little tabloids or bulletins to our customers, right? like a tournament bulletin. So, man, here's the hottest gear. Here's what you need. Here's a great price on it. And, you know, the other buyers at Walmart or wherever it might be, it might be months before they even know about this yeah. or, you know like it gave us by going those tournaments kept us real close to our customers and close close to the developing gear yeah that was a comp- real competitive advantage there. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun too that opens up uh, that opens up some curiosities for me so what what ch- what is changing take us back to you know the late 70s and early 80s what is changing about lures what is change what how are how in the same vein of how technology and racing changes, right? What was really, really good last month is obsolete six months from now. Um, how are y'all um, improving success for 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 the, your customers, and how are lures themselves evolving? You always got to have the latest, greatest. So always, guys got to get new gear. Girls yeah. got to get new gear. Uh, one thing that's a constant that is amazing is like the importance of conservation and how can kids like especially kids go catch fish yeah and that was they all just want to stop and thank you for being the honorary chairman and spokesperson for national hunting and fishing yeah. today and you had uh, your daughter isla uh, yeah. on there and that was classic and that, that was the fish th- yeah and just catching fish because that's bigger than a trophy or anything i mean that was the best that was just best yeah. she's grinning ear to ear and you being her dad and it, <laughs> fishing's all about memories and yeah. hunting it's more than the trophies that was a very special day we um i remember going and when me and kelly went to live at dad's house um we moved in with him he lived on the lake norman i remember immediately uh you know, digging in uh, a styrofoam cup for worms uh, to to fish off the pier and the boat slip and catching brim after brim after brim and just having a blast, right? Mm-hmm. As a little, you know, eight, nine, ten year old boy, and I was uh, I was I don't know. It just dawned on me one day. I was like, I can go do that right now with my daughter. Why Why don't I just do that? I can go do that right this minute. And and I remember that was a great experience for me. And I bet she will think this is pretty interesting you know and um her reaction i was like please some you know some, some brim please bite this hook please <laughs> you know we <laughs> we put it down in there and she's sitting there and she's like what are we doing what are we what what is this what is happening and i'm like just wait just be patient and then the bobber starts moving i'm like watch that bobber watch it look at it and she's just starting to figure it out right <laughs> we pull that fish out of the water she could not believe there's a fish a real fish on the end of the <laughs> on the end of that line right after you did that we hosted a, the National or the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame dinner yeah. up there in Springfield. And so I played that little film <laughs> Did clip. Did you? And then I had another film clip of my granddaughter. I call her nickname her Angel Fish, but she was out fishing with her dad. Same thing, a little perch like this. She puts it in that and said, Dad, I want to take this home and feed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think me and I will be fishing for quite a while now. But uh, so my dad uh was was always into fishing and always you know trying different lures and had a he had an affinity for topwater lures uh for whatever reason um when you you know of all the products that you are aware of and have been uh involved in and have put in your stores like if you are gonna if you're gonna uh, I got. I'll give you a rod and reel, and I'm gonna give you one lure. What lure are you picking off the shelf? 
Yeah, it's hard to beat a good old spinner bait. <laughs> yeah. And I, lo- I love those uh, frogs too, scum frogs. And like, when depending where you fish, you know, yeah. if they're up shallow, I like spinners and scum frogs, whopper ploppers. <laughs> and, <laughs> whopper plopper. So, hey, okay. talking about your dad just a minute, I, I was thinking about this. My favorite quote about fishing is from Ernest Hemingway's. Ernest Hemingway, and he said uh, years ago, he said, "In a lifetime spent fishing, I've come to realize." It's not the big fish that you catch, but the people that you meet mm-hmm. and the friends that you make along the way that matter the most. Mm-hmm. And it's memories outdoors and just along my journey to meet your dad. And uh, I was rereading the beautiful tribute you wrote to, about your father mm-hmm. after he passed and calluses on his hands and uh, what friendships meant to him. It was so beautiful. And uh, just to be... I've, I've been blessed in my life to be around a lot of people, influential people and presidents, a lot, a lot of folks and through fishing. Your dad, I can just tell you, I don't have to tell you, but he was, I just, my admiration for him was so, so uh, deep and respect and what an inquisitive <laughs> mind. I mean, yeah. he, he, I'd see him probe people and you have too, <laughs> like a hundred times, like you could be the chairman of Purdue foods and he'd be having him scratching his head about why is he raising chickens this way or me i didn't think i knew anything about sporting goods he just was so inquisitive (laughs) and so genuine and i and it's just on my mind coming here like i remember one time he came up he was supposed to visit at headquarters stop by for an hour he ends up going to warehouse he spent all afternoon just he wouldn't leave until he was nice to everybody and uh i've seen you know, I, I think about this, and I'm drifting off from your questions, but <laughs> I just got to say, you know, I've seen you too. It's it's not easy, I wouldn't imagine, being in the footsteps of such a famous, of American hero, you know, and how you guys wear that, how you handle that from ever since I've known you, from your father's passing, like how you carry on and hold yourself and make everybody proud to carry on a sport you love but i'm I'm stuttering for words but i just i really uh, thank uh, you two your company your work family it it means so much to the whole country many ways and just to be around your dad and and just gain admiration for him uh, so how did you get introduced to dad and rcr and that relationship because that was kind of your foray into racing right yeah yeah and so uh yeah i I brought you a little gift because i know you just had a birth not too long ago right yeah so a couple days ago yeah yeah. so here you go this was our first this was i just found this out coming down here it's checked on it was 25 years ago Oh, man. So we sponsored that. <laughs> the gold car. Yeah. And then, Another die cast for the table. Okay. <laughs> and then, Dale, you, I got to tell everybody, you introduced us to Martin Truex Jr., yeah. and that was 20 years ago. And so this, and that works out pretty keen. So <laughs> all this. But, uh, yeah, so I met your dad and Richard at Charlotte, best I remember the first time. And, like, they sent this sales guy bill pattison was up on our yeah. uh calling on us at bass pro in springfield like the next week and he walks <laughs> in and he says johnny dale and richard they enjoyed meeting you and they love the outdoors they both love to hunt and fish and they want to they're making you this deal i can't even believe it and you probably heard me say this before but there's a chance to put a little decal decal on the b post of your dad's car and so I said, what's a B-post? Well, I found that. I little <laughs> yeah. decal this big. And I said, man, what's that going to cost? And he told me, and I just about threw up. <laughs> and then he said, this was a beautiful thing. He said, Johnny, Dale and Richard, they want to put Bass Pro Emblem on the hood of this car for the all-star race. And they will donate all their royalties that they normally get. And you guys pick, will donate it all to conservation. And so I'm pretty na- – I was totally naive, but th- – that's what really got us into NASCAR in like 30 days. That was many years ago. They sold over $10 million worth of, of course, Darn Arts. Yeah, you guys that like sold a lot a of huge stuff. Part, but like so much money for conservation, but also told all of us, you know, our customers like that like to hunt and fish, they also like NASCAR, right, so, yeah. huge. And so 
we look at this as a long-term like brand building or affiliation with NASCAR and and it's besides that's a lot of fun everybody in the company I get fired up about it yeah so was this the first was yep. that it this yep. was the first yep. race car yep. and sponsorship wow. what was what did you know about NASCAR before this uh well I used to go to the Springfield Fairgrounds and there was a guy named Larry Phillips mm-hmm. I asked your dad he knew him but he was like the equivalent He's of a legend oh, yeah. yeah he was great and he'd just go I'd go there with my grandpa and he'd and that Larry Phillips he was in Rusty Wallace race there and uh, uh quite a few guys Ken Schrader um uh, anyway but yeah. that's that was my first time being around NASCAR but it was a half mile asphalt track like you do with the yeah. historical tracks and the partnership between you and dad was perfect uh in many ways um you know y'all definitely created a friendship and an admiration for each other but dad uh his passion for fishing and hunting i know you've probably you spend your life around you know people that do that professionally and that every every day they wake up but uh for the every man you know dad was as as die hard as it gets a great connection and a great i guess a great spokesman for your brand uh because of his uh he grew up on lakes around kannapolis and and taking took took you know going when hunting season started he was gone yeah <laughs> he was gone and people know that customers like you're right because like who's your ambassador you could win every race and hack off half your customers you know yeah but not with you know somebody is so genuine same with martin yourself right. like just love it and yeah. our customers know that i agree i've tried to um you know martin to me is um you know such a uh perfect match for bass pro shop uh because he, he's he's as dedicated as dad ever was to deer hunting uh loves to fish as well i mean they're kind of if anybody was dad's equal in my eyes in terms of being an outdoorsman martin was the perfect uh you know person for for bass pro shop you know you talk about how that matters and uh, to your customers and you talked about conservation being an important trigger for uh getting you guys involved in dad's relationship but since that like you've been involved in nascar for decades now right um how do y'all uh value your involvement how do you um what how does it have to make sense right I think it's long-term brand building, and Dale, you asked me a question. A lot of our fishermen, when we first started in the NASA, they said, Johnny, we could be sponsoring more fishing tournaments. I said, well, we, we need to cross-pollinate here, and how can we bring more people into fishing and hunting? And so if kids watch NASCAR, they're around the track or on TV, and they see Dale Jr.'s got a big bass pro in them. If, fish, if fishing's cool with Dale, then, it, man, it's cool with me. I want to try this. So yeah. I think it – I think it cultivates for the whole sport, but also our brand. And our brands are really every for long term, like short term, the money we invest in NASCAR, we could print more catalogs or do something else and we'd see short term gain. But our brands are real important to us and it's a way to put our brand out there in front of a lot of people and a lot of people that are passionate about outdoors. Yeah. It just dawned on me. I don't know why I didn't make this connection because I thought that you guys were uh involved a lot longer but really just three short years with dad from 98 till the time of his passing um what you know what was your relationship like you got a favorite memory you got a funny story that something you guys did together or whatnot well i remember one time he came over we went fish i love to fish for these giant blue fin tunas and uh your dad came over and we went tuna fishing and we had a couple of blow-ups but we never got a fish but we had good times and i remember your dad would we were staying in this little fish camp and they had some bicycles and i look up and he's riding his bicycle around backwards Backwards. all the time and he said i'll come on i'll race you you can go forward i'll go backwards yeah he still beat me (laughs) i um you know the conservation part is very important you mentioned that in the story of of with your grandfather and the lake that was built around your home and um how you learned about how that uh you know was beneficial to the environment and and wildlife around that area and you've made conservation sort of like the key uh mission uh for you in your life uh every time i've been around you it's you mention it in every speech in every conversation um try to help people that are listening understand 
why that is so important to you and why it's so critical to um, to our future. Thank you. So, yeah, I feel so blessed in my life to be around the outdoor industry and all comes around the quality of fishing and hunting and one one aspect we benefited from it so it's our obligation to give back one thing's all but also it's a shared passion a lot of people in our company realize this and you came up to the fish and wildlife museum one of the main missions there and i think we have is to share the story of the role that sportsmen and women play in conservation since the days of roosevelt and audubon they were they were hunters they were outdoorsmen and through being connected to nature being in the field or on a stream they understood the importance more of habitat of regulations to ensure healthy populations of fish and wildlife a lot of people aren't aware of this but over 80 percent of the funding for all the state fishing fish and wildlife agencies come from sportsmen and women they are derived from the sale of hunting and fishing license Mm -hmm. but also most people aren't aware of this, and I'm proud to just share it with everybody that's listened to this uh, podcast. <clears throat> There's a 10% federal excise tax that sportsmen and women lobbied for that's collected on the sale of every fishing, all fishing equipment, uh, firearms, ammunition, most hunting supplies, 10 to 11% is collected at the federal level, and it's remitted back to the states based on a formula. So between licenses and that federal tax, sportsmen and women are paying a huge amount of the funding for conservation in America, and it impacts you know all of North America in many instances beyond that. So I just think, uh, and and it's uh, what I call common sense conservation, and not just extreme mm-hmm. uh, yeah. things. And uh, so anyway, those are. I think passions we share where we came from. Last year was our 50th anniversary, and we shared in our catalog for the first time the last decade we've averaged giving back 10% of our earnings back to conservation. That's something that all of us in the company are very proud of. But I think we look at it too, like NASCAR, it's an investment you know, for our business, for the future, for the future of the sports we love, but also for the future of our company. Yeah, I've had the chance to um, see a lot of the the conservation, the work that you've done, and I would encourage anybody listening to 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 check it out, look it up. But and we won't, we don't have the opportunity to talk about every single thing. But I've been to Big Cedar Lodge, I've been to um, Dogwood Canyon National Park, which is just amazing, um, and uh, just you, you know, Big Cedar's there at Table Rock Lake. Um, if people were to just go there and just see the massiveness of what you have preserved and kept and done, the museum there, I mean, it's just incredible. You have that big mammoth, wild, woolly, was it woolly mammoth? Yeah, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible when you go there. And that's when I, that's when I knew, could see it for the importance of all of that. It's just crazy. So the story I heard, you were building, you have this resort. Yeah, I, I want right? to go. I want to talk about that. That um, so the you sinkhole. Have, you have this resort that you're building. Is it true that you discovered some um, fossils while building the golf, building some portion of this resort? There was some discovery that you were like, oh, stop everything. Let's get the you know the experts in here and sort this out. Let's let this this has got a this is all has a process that has to play through. Am I telling this story correctly? Well, look. So we had a little irrigation lake on a golf course. It's a little place, top of the rock. It's my it's a beautiful view in the Ozarks. Overlooks Table Rock Lake. There's a number three flag. Always been flies there. every day. Yeah. So anyway, this irrigation lake it drains out. So in Missouri we have pretty. It's called karst topography or a lot of limestone it's the uh, it's missouri is also referred to as a cave state so i'm nuts about spelunking going in caves and looking around <laughs> so where this little irrigation was so go out there one morning it's just gone and there was a little sinkhole and the lake flushed out it was maybe just a couple acres but it flushed out this cave that we found about 15 years before so man i'm t- i know these places are connected so we start digging 
to try to find out where the sinkhole does it lead into this cave. And we found the water when it flushed out to the other caves. They got to be connected, whether it's through a little foxhole corridor or giant caverns. So we started digging about seven years ago, and we're still digging. You're still digging. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's amazing. We call it the Cathedral of Nature today, but it's like uh, geologists said it was formed like 320 million years ago. The walls Whoa. were about 250 wow. feet deep now, and we've got to figure out a tour how we get people down in there but it's it's really beautiful and don't you also have mean you have a means where people are out looking for other um relics and fossils and whatnot don't out in that area is that am i right no i just not not necessarily. Oh, but well, I thought some of the things from the museum were things all, that from were the area, yes. from that area. Yeah, okay, from got it. The, yes. Okay, so they're just so to me about that, that little museum. It's yeah. in a lot of uh, Native it's, American artifacts. That's not a little museum. But yeah. like, but, but <laughs> anyway, it's to pass on the heritage yeah. and like yeah. the way of life and part of it's hunting. Like I have a great reverence for like Native Americans mm-hmm. and they yeah. they lived off the land. And yeah. They had to practice some conservation, right? Because yeah. and to be just have a little handmade arrowhead and a stick and they got to survive with this you know like yeah. yeah it's incredible that museum so what's the square footage of the museum well there's two there's one is t- down there atop the rock it's probably i don't know three or four thousand feet it's not giant but then the one in springfield is very large it's like a half a million or something. right so you this you opened this up a handful of years ago um it's a big fanfare. We were lucky enough to be able to go, well, thank through, you for go through it. Incredible museum. Just inc- insane. What was the – all right, I know the reason why you built this, uh, but the pure cost of putting something like that together and the 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 monumental task of uh, maintenance and upkeep and just the whole process, I mean – I mean, it must have been a dream. You must have been thrilled to take it take it on, right, to create this vision for the museum. But um, it must have been uh, daunting and overwhelming at the same time because it's uh, there's nothing like it. I don't think in the in the country uh, for for people that are you know that are interested in hunting and fishing and conservation, but also a bit of a history lesson on on our our land and our country i felt the timing was really right dale killer because we had these partners our conservation partners these groups ducks unlimited wild turkey federation all these groups on and on audubon uh so to have these relationships where they could help us create the storylines what are the messages what are the success stories that we've had in america and conservation and also what are the alarm signals or what do we need to be watching so we hope this especially for young people you got to bring island or little sister sometime come Mm -hmm. back but it's like passing on this hunting and fishing heritage and current up to speed messages about conservation so we had the conservation partners and then a group of very talented people that help us with the dioramas and the visual display in our stores and other talented people that we work with that are just freelance so we had this nucleus of people and i felt like man we got to tell this story and so it's all in a foundation and uh we chipped in on it pretty heavy and other donors but it's uh i just felt like man one thing we could do is pass on our heritage where we came from is it serving that purpose well yeah, i think so we've been having attendance over a million people a year just right. over a million for springfield and so uh yeah we have a classroom there for fifth graders called the wolf school and it's it's all year long but they do broadcast there and it, they go pretty much across the united states and some degree around the world and our conservation partners have messages and it goes out into classrooms so kids can le- learn yeah about the environment and and That's all really kinds cool. of animals and fish. That's awesome. Yeah, if you haven't been to the museum in, in Springfield, it's a must see. Yeah, experience. it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you too. Uh, the store, your the the model of the typical Bass Pro store, um, is not your um, 
you know, it's not your sporting's good store from the from the eighties or the nineties. It's an experience. You know, you talked about the archery range and uh, in Concord, the giant. We, I mean, every one of them has a giant aquarium. What? Uh, how did that vision evolve over time to be able to get to where? Like, I can walk in a Bass Pro Shop and be entertained, um, learn about products, find something that I don't have that I want, uh, find what I'm looking for. But, I mean, you literally uh, have to force yourself to leave. <laughs> um, <but it laughs> Except at some places where you have hotels. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's you, you, you can re-envisioned <laughs> the shopper's experience in those stores, and y'all continue, like, to add more bells and whistles, right? Um, whose idea, uh, where did that idea, where did that idea come from? Outside, I mean, why not just, you know, here's your lures, here's your ammo, your firearms, here's your, here's your camo, uh, here's some rods and reels on the wall in the back. Um, what made you get to the point to where you were really kind of, um, wanting to change the experience for the shopper? Well, it goes back to that field trip to L.L. Bean, seeing them track people. I spent two years, and many times my sister Susie go, but we traveled to every sporting goods store we could hear of around the country. I went to Germany, Sweden, Europe, looking at sporting goods stores to get ideas. Really? And other grocery stores. But then, too, over the years, we've tried to make each store uh, a tribute to the region or the area like our artist we have in-house artists we have our own fab shop that does metal work for chandeliers for uh just craftsmen yeah. you know to go to make cases out of wood log fabrication and our team before we open the store they'll go out and they'll study nature features of an area and the history we try to engage customers and sometimes they'll donate mounts or mm. memorabilia things yeah. from from the region so to try to make each store a little bit unique and celebrate the history of a region and not just be you know a cookie cutter that's funny uh, you talk about the mounts because i had a buddy of mine a friend uh that i hadn't seen in about five or ten years i mean i literally just a buddy from mooresville they used to drink beer with years ago called me up and goes my dad I, his dad had just passed away a year or two ago and he's like my dad passed away and he's donated a mount to the bass pro shops in concord he's wondering oh, wow. if he could get it back and they were nice oh. they were they were like yeah yeah come get it Aww. um but i didn't that yeah. so well, yeah those they are, all have signs in them donated yeah. by such and such yeah yeah yeah, yeah so it's kind of fun yeah. so our first inspiration for aquariums we got in my dad's liquor store we got an eight foot diameter underground gas storage tank we cut a four foot window in it we asked our customers okay bring in the big bass or big crappie and it worked out great for the bass, but the crappie, the bass ate them all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys that bring, but anyway, it's just said that people were fascinated to see fish in an aquarium. And now we have, you know. Giant aquariums. Yeah, yeah and what? like fishing instruction in them and things. What is, what is next? What, is, what, what do you want in a store that you don't have? Um, this more fun stuff. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> more fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, we, we travel around with Wyatt, my son, and um, usually, I mean, if there's a Bass Pro Shop there, we go there for the whole experience. Yeah. L-Dub wants to walk around and look for, look, you look, know, look, look, the look. next yeah. item. Oh, man. But Wyatt runs through there and goes to the archery place or whatever That is an interesting is, right? point, too, because yeah. every, I mean, we've, we've been in many stores yeah. around the country, and they don't all feel the same. No. They all have that local vibe yeah. to them. Um, hey, now you, you mentioned Wyatt. Now he's, <laughs> I get chills. In the company meetings, I replay a race you sent yeah. me, or LW, a Wyatt starting in the back and great racing against men and just blowing <laughs> her. Here, this flashback of his uncle and his grandpa, you know, it's well, unbelievable. I think, yeah, and I think we wanted to kind of talk about just your effect um, in our sport. You know, we, we did talk about there briefly with uh, your relationship with dad and then moving on to, to Martin Truex. And, and sponsoring him, but, you know, Austin Dillon up at RCR. Um, you have, uh, and, and then, you know, recently here with Noah Gregson when he ran for Junior Motorsports and supporting him, and you've continued to support us with Josh Berry, and now he's moving on to the Cup Series. And we have a young racer named Carson Quapple in our late model car who's pretty 
uh, pretty much a wheel man, and my son Wyatt. So uh, you, you've had a hand in a lot of relationships in this sport and young drivers. What what? How does that make you feel? Uh, it's a lot of fun, and <laughs> I just it reminds me of fishing. Really, the quality of the people in the racing community and how down for most part i mean you get all characters in every sport but i mean compared to many other athletes i'd say or something like the personalities of the racing community it reminds me of the personalities and the genuineness of people in the in the fishing community yeah yeah i um I, yeah I, I would i would agree i think that now you know not only have you uh you know, not only have you been a big supporter at the highest level and and helped a lot of people like, you know, Dad and Martin and other people achieve their dreams and successes on the racetrack, but your in, your involvement in, in grassroots racing and, uh, and other levels of NASCAR and allowing people to kind of continue their journeys has been as equally as impressive to me. And I, um, I admire people that um, – that understand how important the, the roots of the tree are. Uh, and so, um, I, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, you're, you know, you go, I, I know that you have a lot of opportunity throughout the year to hunt, to fish. You see incredible places, beautiful parts of our country and the rest of the world. Um, you've had amazing experiences, uh, along the way what uh what is your favorite piece of land to go whitetail deer hunting home in missouri, home in missouri. <laughs> no hesitation no hesitation you gotta come visit no us place something. like home it's, huh yeah I, I love the ozarks where i grew up and my parents grew up and i just yep. i love it there is it all family-owned land that you still have Yes. Yeah. I mean where, where we spend most right. of our time we've got a farm it's old peabody strip mine pits yep so it was all scarred by man, but it's healed up nature's way, and we try to help it out. But so in these old strip pits, turn it into some good fishing holes. And, <laughs> is that the uh-huh. same answer for if you're gonna go fishing for a couple hours? Where are you gonna go? Yep, I'd say either right there at Table Rock at home or up north where our farm is. Yeah. Take grandkids, and my so we got grandkids now. My son JP told me to tell you hi. Yep. And uh, he's okay. him and his. Uh, Another one on the way, right? Kelly yeah. just told us a couple of weeks ago they're expecting a little That's baby so boy. So. so exciting. Yep. Grandkids, six, how many grandkids you got? Eight. Eight. Oh, yeah. eight coming. Eight, eight coming. Oh, my God. Yeah. We'll make no eight. Kidding. <laughs> That's, That's a awesome. big family, man. All right, man. Well, so I guess, you know, what's next? Like, what, what? What's the uh, what's the future involvement for you and NASCAR? Just status quo, continue. You know, Martin is getting. You know, Martin's going to give us another year, right? He continues yes. to. <laughs> we I want Martin to race for a really long time, but he keeps dragging us on uh, year uh, by year, year by year, right? <laughs> but I mean, you know, your involvement in the sport has been has been there. You know, been there for a long time. I imagine that uh, you're going to continue to find ways to to integrate your brand into into NASCAR and. Uh, continue that you know that crossover cross-pollination that you're talking about yeah well i hope so it's <laughs> it's it provides a lot of energy and a lot of fun for everybody in our company and our customers and like i said building our brand and having fun along the way so yeah. how many employees do you have overall because you have tracker boats you have hatteras my god big cedar yeah. Yeah. you you also started which uh, we didn't get to touch on the the tracker off-road um, so purchasing from uh, who was that? Bad Boy Buggies and Textron and, and Textron, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a partnership. How many employees in total? Everything we have. Uh, and this astounds me where we came from. We have a little over forty thousand team <sighs> members today, plus our independent boat dealers yeah. uh, that are kind of like a part. They are a part of yeah. our family, you know. And many of them are exclusive with our brands and our boats. Most of them are built in the Ozarks, and a lot of now generations of people working in these plants. That, put a lot of have so much pride in what they do makes me really proud of everybody that made me think when you were talking about the bass pro shops and having that local um you know that local flair to wherever you are i imagine that also creates uh the relationship with the employees because they appreciate that right and and that the employees that work in those stores is that helpful to because it's really hard especially in the last several years just to 
get that dedicated employee, you know. So I imagine that also helps. We'd like to way. think so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Pyramid Store. That was pretty um, ambitious. Uh, this was a there's a pyramid. It was where the basketball team and, played in Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. And it was a sports arena. I mean, this is a giant space, even for Bass Pro standards. Um, apparently, the 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 uh, the the story goes that you were you were fishing in the shadow of that pyramid. All right, with Bill Dance and Jack Emmett. Is that true? That's totally true. <laughs> and you said they said they challenged you. They said if we're going to catch a, if we catch a thirty pound fish, you're going to buy the pyramid and put a Bass Pro Shop in there. Well, here's the so <laughs> city on this building, right? A big space, it's huge. and it's kind of a scary deal. Like bet the farm on this, and like not only that, the sit with the city on the building, they came. To, they had a commission to study, and the consultants recommend maybe talk to Bass Pro, put a store in there. <laughs> so I go down there with my boy JP, and it's hot, sunny, you know, summer day. We're hiking all the way up to the top on these stairs. But, man, for a daydreamer, like, is a big box. I mean, what a space, 52 million cubic feet, you know, the right. space. And so we started thinking, what could we do with this? And we thought, man, we'll just create, like, the Delta Flyway, big cypress trees, and put, like, some hotel rooms like the – Opryland Hotel yeah. with balconies mm-hmm. looking out. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to it, and we we struck this deal with the city. We either got to go for it or not. And, man, I was real emotional about it. So Bill Dancer, buddy, you know, he said, Johnny, come down and go catfishing. And other guy, Jack Emmett, was our first fishing manager we ever had. The three of us were in a boat, and I just, that day I said, guys, look, we got to make an president of our company at the time he's calling me said johnny the press is coming we got announced today are we doing this or not i just told jack and bill i said if we catch a catfish over 30 pounds is it you know sometimes you can flip, <laughs> you flip a coin the quarter, on you just something. caught a fish <laughs> so like instead of flipping the coin if we catch a catfish over 30 pounds this is meant to be we'll do it so jim our president he calls me he said johnny are we doing this or not he calls me at 10 in the morning because i kept putting him off finally about one o'clock in the afternoon he said john this is ridiculous People are coming at three. Are we doing this or not? And I'm stuttering around, you know. And about that time, old Jack's half asleep in the back, and his rod starts banging. I said, Jim, I don't know, but it's looking real promising. I'll call you right back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a true story, so help me. And Because uh, I was really torn to do it or not. Yeah. Jack caught that fish, and we did it, and it's worked out great for the city and for us. And, yeah. But that's a true story about catching that fish. <laughs> That is cool. So you caught a 34-pound fish, and that, that yep. was it. And that was it. You mentioned JP being there with you when you went through that building. Um, I often see him by your side in, in a lot of the moments that we've met. And, inter, inter, and when I've even went to see you at a store or what have you, um, how um, how involved is he in in helping you with some of the more personal decisions that you have to make for this for this on this journey of creating this business um him and his sisters are very important john is uh like our number one ambassador to stand up for our customers and we have a lot of sharp people uh, backgrounds come into the company from different walks a lot of different skill sets few if any have the passion and the knowledge firsthand to relate directly to our customers because they're so involved in fishing and, in John's case, hunting. So I think he's an advocate. I know he's a strong voice for our customers. And so he's involved quite a bit in that. He's passionate to get – I just spend hours, like, working on a catalog page. He said, Dad, no, we got to go online. we got (laughs) to – like you have in your podcast, there's different ways to communicate with people. But he's my buddy. I was showing LW before we came in here my – screensaver on my phone's a photo of me and john out in the woods with two turkeys that we took during the when the virus hit and thought the world's coming to an end our whole family was just staying in this little cabin uh, my wife Jeannie, john his wife kelly now sister her husband the kids grandkids mean some of the grandkids and it was during turkey season that april and john guides me and we got these two turkeys and he put his camera up on a stump and took a 
with a timer, took a selfie of us. And a few months later, I said, John, let me borrow your phone. And he handed me his phone, and it was that picture of us. And that he had picked that out for his sake. I said, can you put that on your dad's phone, too? <laughs> right. so, but, I mean, he's my best buddy yes. in, in the outdoors and, and sharing life. Yeah. And thank I you walk, for asking. I remember walking through the museum, and he, he has um, – you know he, he he's in he's in there right you know he's a lot of the mounts and a lot of the a lot of the experiences that um that he's been able to you know enjoy uh were were apparent and that was a lot of fun um i admire y'all's relationship and i admire your ability to raise a really sharp man but at the same time be his friend because that's a tough balance as a parent right mm-hmm. trying to trying to have a friendship but that respect always still being there and y'all have done that perfectly well i'm very proud of my family my son i i did listen to hank parker's uh podcast Mm -hmm. when he was here and it was very powerful beautiful and he shared in there openly like sometimes your dad and just being able to share his love for you guys and i was reminded because i think i told you this maybe years ago dale but i told your dad so I'm sitting around, my dad came from a pretty rough way, you know, and as far as not having much, but I was, it was not till after I was 21. He was just, it was old school, you know, strict, and uh, we, he never used the love word. I mean, it was there, but he didn't ever say. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, he just wasn't, he didn't say, we didn't say love you to each other. It was there, but I mean, just, so this one night after I was 21, he never would let me drink in front of him. But we weren't drunk, but we just had a drink by a campfire. And I was maybe I was sometime after I turned twenty one. And my dad that evening around a campfire he chose to share with me, not looking for sympathy, but he just wanted me to know more about himself, like where he'd come from. And he shared with me things I never knew. I knew he was in the army, but I didn't know how rough. And he told me about going off and being in the Battle of the Bulls in World War Two and he looked at through me to me through the smoke, you know, and he said, Son, your dad's lucky to be here across the fire from you. And I said, What do you mean? He started telling me about all the young people that didn't fare as well as he did. On so anyway, he shared with me several things that were he had a rough time cutting firewood all winter and some son of a gun, I cleaned that up, stole it and just little things, big things, but just more about his life he wanted to pass on. And we got up from that fire and I looked at my dad and I said, Dad I said, I sure do love you. He looked me right back. He never hesitated. And he said, son, you won't know the true meaning of the word love until and unless you're lucky enough you have your own kids. And that, when John Paul was born, like, I don't know how many years later, but quite the first, it came rushing back to me. Yeah. I know you boys, you both get to enjoy that being parents and what a special thing that is. And Damn. to me today here, this is about, more than anything it's about family traditions you know like whether it's racing fishing outdoors and just hugging each other that's pretty powerful man what a great moment yeah thanks for sharing that with us yeah he he told you that he loved you and more in in with those eloquent words yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) pretty amazing um and then you know that's kind of cool because then he gave you this gift when you became a parent yeah that the memory comes back um I um yeah I don't know how to top that one. Um, <laughs> I uh, you know I really appreciate you giving us some time today. It's been pretty amazing um, to to be, to get to know you over all these years. Um, I you know I've always appreciated you for um, you know being genuine and being accessible. We have a lot of people that get involved in our in our industry and 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 a lot of businesses and organizations that invest and and we're very thankful for all of them. Um, but your uh, your ability to to be within within arm's length at all times as an individual uh, in front of your brand is so nice. Um, uh, to be able to call you in, I mean, I, you've got you talked about the forty thousand people that you're you're managing their livelihoods, you know, and risking uh, your business every single day uh, to give us a few hours to come in here and sit down uh, means a lot to me and Kelly. Uh, your relationship with our dad, the fact that that three flag flies on the top of that mountain, and that's important to you, 
Uh, I can't tell you what that means to me, and I'm sure Kelly feels exactly the same way. Um, Your, you know, all these years later, you always kind of worry about your father's impact on the industry or his impact on others will be soon forgotten. Just time has a way of, of, of melting kind of melting stuff, away yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 force that he was and you're one of the you know you're one of those people out there that are that are telling his story today and continuing to fly that flag on that mountain is just a very um very cool thing yeah um so i appreciate that feel blessed i got to know your dad yeah he's a heck of a man yeah he's praised for fine kids never so proud to walk into the daytona bass pro shop many years ago and see the picture of dad there you know um fishing and i mean just just all of those kinds of things very relational yeah you're very down-to-earth humble relational that's right person relationships yeah so we want to say thanks um thanks for coming and talking to us a little bit thank you love to have you come back yeah. It's very special to get to be here with yeah. you guys today. Very <laughs> special. Thank you so much. Same here. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny awesome. Morris on the Dale Jr. Download. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally. The Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Check out Dirty Mo Media.